I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design, recorded live from the Living Kitchen Studio. Some designers have a signature look, while others practice a signature process. Designer John McLean is a blender and bender of styles to achieve a unique and unforgettable look or series of looks. I mean, it's really interesting. John is a bicoastal designer with offices in Florida and California. His signature style really is in his approach, which makes him truly unique and worthy of watching. I believe in the art forms that are design and architecture. When speaking with a designer like John, I'm in my element because I can ask questions that might get a sideways look from someone else, but not him. I ask questions like these to to break the information down into small bites, then rebuild a concept so the non-designer can understand it equally as well as the designer. I really enjoyed my chat with John. He knows the look he's trying to achieve, which enables him to experiment a bit more. And to me, that's really where design gets exciting. Before we get into this, I want to thank you for listening to Convo by Design. It's been six years, and we're doing more than we have ever done before. This year alone, Convo by Design will be at Modernism Week in Palm Springs, KBiz and IBS in Las Vegas, Pasadena Showcase House for the Arts, West Week, LCDQ's Legends event, which is going to be spectacular this year, Los Angeles Design Festival, Fall Market at the Pacific Design Center, and of course, the West Edge Design Fair. Make sure you catch every episode for these upcoming activities and more. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is John McClain. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Snyder Diamond provides amazing service and exceptional products, hand-selected by second-generation president Russ Diamond. You've heard me talk about this before, and I, I, can't, I can't emphasize it enough just how special this is. These appliances, these um, amazing objects of technology include the full line of Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove. There's a revolution taking place in the kitchen, and leading this is Sub-Zero by reimagining what a kitchen can be and then providing state-of-the-art technology and stunning design to make it happen, like under-counter refrigeration that provides compact performance and convenience. Glass front or custom door panels, designers and architects can design for the space, not the appliances. With proper preservation, next comes preparation. And Wolf has a fun and fantastic griddle just for you. Just another way Wolf provides the tools allowing you to cook your way. Sub-Zero and Wolf give you the very best so you can give your clients your very best. And what's better than that? Take control with up to $500 rebates on select ranges, range tops, and cooktops. These offers are for a limited time and details apply, so do take control and get all the details. To see the full line of Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove appliances, go to any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond showrooms. You can also see the Living Kitchen in the Pasadena and Santa Monica Snyder Diamond showrooms. This really is such a small world. It is such a, this design community of ours is so small. Yeah, I mean, I, I met you 2011, 2012, and then all kinds of stuff have happened for both of us since then, you know, and so I've went to the East Coast and back to the West Coast, and still there's this interconnection, even from across the country. It's really great. It's really great. The, the design community is welcoming and 
inclusive and then you realize like oh my gosh wow i actually do know someone in new york and i have this connection with someone in california and all across even in um europe now i have connections with people that i had met in in previous experiences in life so it just it's great how it's all interconnected and one of the things you know and we were talking before the reason i started this podcast originally was you know based on the design house that we were talking about yes. at the time and um the fact that at the time of starting the podcast, there really was no central forum for designers to communicate with each other and hear what's going on. And our our world is global, but it's it's become so small, mm-hmm. which I think is neat. How do you work bi coastal? So you're you're Florida and California. You have an office there and an office here. Correct. How does yeah. that work for you? You know, it's it's still a learning process, and we're still figuring out all of the logistics of it. We're using a lot of technology, honestly. We we use um, a lot of video conferencing calls where we can share computer screens, and we can speak to the person in the computer or uh, the uh, television. The monitor on the computer highlights whoever's speaking, and so that allows us to sort of feel like I'm in the office with them. But it still says John McLean Design on the front door. So no matter which office we're in. So clients always want to know that I have my finger on the pulse of what's happening and that I understand what's happening inside of their uh, big decisions in their design process. And I really try to speak to all of my designers. I have uh, three other designers there and then myself here. And then they're supporting me. And then I'm sort of overseeing everything that they do there. And so I really try to stay via phone calls and text honestly and video conferencing i try to stay on top of everything that's going on so that if a client were to call me which they have the the entire right to do so and say hey you know what do you feel about this new ceiling design in my master bedroom i can speak intelligently on that so it's it's a it's a daily struggle but we're we're doing pretty good and i always hire people smarter than i am so it works out great that way (laughs) that is an absolute key to success isn't it yes oh my gosh so good another key to success and it's it's not it's not unique to the design community, but it certainly is applicable here. Is our, our careers are determined by the choices and selections we make, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because you know there is there are there are thousands of people who are going to tell you how to do things the right way, of course, and there there are going to be tons of people who tell you to do things and it's the wrong way, mm-hmm. and ultimately we got to make those decisions for ourselves. So some of the things I wanted to talk to you about is um exposure mm-hmm. and you know we're we're talking and i'm i'm thrilled to have you on the podcast because there's a ton of projects that you've worked on that i'm absolutely crushing on and i love them and, and i Thank think you, you did a remarkable job on your way to this point today uh hgtv mm-hmm. so first dum, 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 dum. i know right <laughs> first time design yep a tv show is one of the things that creatives in interior design are always gunning for. It's a line, we'll get to that. It's a celebrity client, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But it's also the TV show. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like? Um, before the show, I was doing design for friends and family and you know, for myself, of course. And I, I never really took it, I took it seriously as far as my craft and what I was doing, but I never thought in my head, like, oh my gosh, this can be a, a business or this can be, it's a money-making business, I guess I should say. And then after I did this uh, reality show on HGTV, and it was about designers, uh, brand new, like not even experienced people, which is what I was at the time. Uh, and, and so they throw you into a situation and it's sink or swim. And you're choosing everything for these people and renovating their bedroom and designing and all of their, and listening to their wants and their needs and figuring out what is really best for them. 
So I did it. It was uh, an experience I will never forget. And it was so stressful and so amazing and so exhilarating. And I left. It was here in L.A. and I was living in Florida at the time. And so I flew back home to Florida and I was like, man, OK, this, that was cool. What's going to happen with this now? Let's see how this goes. And then the show aired a few months later. It was just crazy. Like I started um, getting emails and phone calls from people in New York and Miami and L.A. And we'd love for you to come and talk to us about designing our home. And we, we love your personality and we love what you did with the space. And we really love how you interacted with a client and really listened. And so I'm like, oh, my God, this was like an Oprah aha moment. I was just like, holy moly, I can turn this into something that is a viable career. And so I did. And I, I kind, of, kind of jumped head in head first. Um, I was uh, actually uh, finishing design school at the time. So I was still in school and in college. And my first degree is in business. So I think that's sort of also helped me to get where I am today as well. But so I was still in that. And then um, miraculously, that show turned everything around for me. Honestly, it was this great experience of the show and getting new clients. And then that's how I ended up working for a firm here in Los Angeles. At the time, they saw my television show and they were friends of a friend and uh, they wanted me to work for them. And then that's how it all started. But the double edged sword to uh, reality TV and designer television is that as we've all heard, it's sort of misleading the, t the time frame about how how fast you can do this or how much money it takes to do this or how many times you're going to cry <laughs> during the process of doing this. So all of those things aren't ever really put out there. It's always just the perfect polished moments of, of the process. And, you know, there's the good part is that it has really opened up a huge audience reality design TV has opened up a huge, huge audience to design. And frankly, when I was in college taking uh, my design courses, most of the people were there because of these uh, design shows on television, funny enough. And they weren't really, they, that's kind of what they had in their head was like, you know, HGTV and DIY and all these other networks they had in their head that that's what design was for them too. And then, and a lot of those people fizzled out or kind of fell by the wayside and really realized like, oh my gosh, I have to do floor plans and reflected ceiling plans and I have to learn CAD and I have to do SketchUp and I have to do all these things that, you know, make it a legitimate business. So it's a, it's a, it was wonderful and I have no regrets from it whatsoever, but now it's more of me taking what I learned from that and the, the real reality, if you will, of things and uh, relaying that to my client. You're listening to my conversation with designer John McClain. John has a clear vision for his design business. It has been my experience that the most successful design professionals don't do it all by themselves. They surround themselves with good people and powerful resources. I'm going to share one of those with you, uh, and I hope you take advantage of it. It's Article, the online-only furniture company inspired by mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. As a designer, you're going to love the style and quality of Article furniture. So are your clients. Article has created a trade only program specifically for busy designers like you. Joining the trade program is free and there's no minimum for you to start receiving trade discounts, none. To get exclusive designer pricing that cannot be found for less elsewhere, they offer a standard one-year warranty on all article furniture and you will love the shipping. Flat rate in most cases, if not free, and it's fast. Stock items ship in two weeks or less. They handle special invoicing, tax exempt purchasing, and wait for it, the customer service is amazing. It's staffed by design professionals like you who know what you're trying to accomplish. These are real people and they know what you're trying to do. 
And best part, they have the authority to help you get what you need. So for all the details and to sign up for Article's trade program, please go to cxd.article.com. CXD as in Convo by Design. cxd.article.com. Thank you, Article. Designers, sign up for this so you can see what I'm talking about. All right, back to my conversation with designer John McLean. It's interesting to hear you say that, you know, in design school, that's why a lot of others were there because that was the experience that they want. Yet that is so unrealistic and not what the job is. Right. And what the career is. Right. It's not that glamorous. No. You don't have that much time. No. It's. <laughs> no, I was up on a ladder. So I was unhappy. Uh, this was just like four months ago, I think. I was up on a ladder. I was, I, they had a painter I, I had hired to do a. Uh, metallic ceiling treatment in a dining room and I was like that's not what I want it's not at all what I want and I couldn't somehow relay that to the person so numero uno got up on the ladder and I was painting this ceiling and it took me hours and the client saw it and they understood why I did it and what was going on and you know what I could step away from that and know that I love what the finished product was but that's not always what is revealed to the world when you uh, think of the design process what were the takeaways for you so you you did get some calls mm. It did turn into a job opportunity. Absolutely. And long-term, so those are Mm short-term takeaways, which obviously beneficial. What were the long-term? If you look back at it now and where you are, would you have gotten here without it? Would you be... Would you be where you are right now in this place and time without it? Or would you be... Would do you think you'd be someplace different? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, Never really thought about the alternative. But I, I think I would be in a different place. I think that from... To your first question, the things that I learned from it were how to deal with clients and how to how to interact with them and to listen to them and what they needed and to really um, hone in on things that they tell you and things that they don't tell you. Because you can also pick up a lot of things from clients kind of subliminally or uh, subconsciously from how they act or how they react to something. So I picked up on that, which I still carry till this very day. Um, it did It did teach me also to be a little more cognizant of what you, how do I say this, what you portray to the world and like how, what clients need to see and what clients don't need to see. So they don't need to know that I'm having a meltdown in the bathroom. You know, I'll come out and I'll have this (laughs) perfect face on, but they don't need to know that I'm in there cursing everything that they just told me, you know, which doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Or that there's frustrations with the contractor or that there's a delay on this order being, um, being brought out to, to to their house. So, and this is what I try to relate to my, <clears throat> excuse me, to my employees today is like, listen, we have our own frustrations behind the scenes, but it's all in how we let the client know and how we relay that message to them and let them know that, hey, we're taking care of this. It's fine. Yes, there's been an issue. We're on top of it. And to sort of manage those expectations. I think that's a really interesting point, too. And, and it's part of it is staging mm-hmm. and in a reality show they actually do show you as unreal as it may be from timelines and storylines and perspective they do show you the reality behind the doors that you never you you see the meltdowns and maybe it's good that you see it maybe it's not good that you see it i cried on national television if that tells you anything josh (laughs) i don't cry in front of clients today but i did cry on national television and yet that's still a positive experience for you which i think is great so the second pillar of that is one's own design mm-hmm. uh, and one's own line, mm-hmm. of which you you launched Gilded Home. Uh, you launched that in 2016. 
I, I like how you explain it. You know, it's 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 luxe sophistication and Art Deco style and Hollywood Regency. It's upholstery and case goods. It's lighting and it's it's smalls. It's your it's your it's your accessories as well. Right. How is that as a designer to now have a product? Because you get you get more criticism over products than you do design. I feel like true. It's yes. what I've in my experience. Yes, I would say so. So, what has, what's the experience been like? for you and we talked about a couple of the challenges too and i think it's really important especially at this place in time in two in you know first quarter of 2019 there are some business issues that every designer who has a line has to take into account yes tariffs (laughs) taxes increases in pricing i mean we're all if you're a designer now you get an email starting probably of last fourth quarter of last year just letting you know like these are going to be the price increases we're going to absorb this amount this is what's going to happen so logistically running a company such as a home furnishings company that has all the products that i have in mind is is not easy and you almost need and this is what i've learned from the process you almost need an entire team dedicated to that um I think the reason that I jumped into that head first and the reason that I wanted to do my own line was I, f- I realized that there's a, uh, a bookcase that I couldn't find or a certain sofa or a light fixture that I really had in my head that was not available on the market to, to, to buy. And I think a lot of new designers don't even realize that the capability of custom pieces and all those things are out there. But I took that a step further and I was like, hmm, if I need this and I need to add a piece of architecture to a space via a bookshelf or a bookcase, then maybe someone else does too. And that's kind of where I drew the entire line from. And it, and it worked. And it's, it was, uh, it's great. And people, the reaction has been wonderful to the line. And I'm, I'm very proud of every piece because I started out designing the pieces sort of like you said with all the styles that I love and all the things that I want to do and all the, the features that I love in something. And because of that i was able to put my heart into it and i didn't design for you know generation x or the millennial or whomever i designed for what i felt was sort of in my heart and in my brain to do for this type of product and that's you 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 do you put your heart on your sleeve when you're doing that type of thing and i think the criticism to your point is a little worse because it's tangible and you can touch it and you can take it with you and you can feel it and you can you know we we were were at high point market um in showrooms there in atlanta and it's literally, I kind of didn't say I was the designer right at first until they started saying, oh, my God, I love this piece. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I did it. <laughs> but you really do. It's, it's, a, it's a fine line. And you have to just take all of your self-esteem out of the picture. When did you get the confidence? Uh, let me back up a second. That takes an, an, an extremely high amount of confidence to make that move and to say, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to take my design. I'm going to take my ideas. I'm going to take what makes me happy, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make a product out of it. It's not a. De- it's not your design per se, because it's not. Right. A, it's not a home. It's not a room. It's not. It's not your reimagination of an existing space. It's your vision for what this piece should be, and that requires a lot of confidence. When do you think? When do you think that came to you, and when did you finally decide? Okay, you know what? I need to do this. Well, and frankly, it, it takes a lot of money. I mean, that's something that we it haven't even touched on. But I mean, if you're ma- if you're mass producing items and you're making a, a light fixture or a lamp or a table or even a, an upholstered piece, and it's being made in China and India and Philippines and Vietnam and all these different countries, it's a lot. It's a big investment. So it wasn't something that I did. Uh, as a flighty move, I really thought about it. My husband and I were both in, in it together. He sort of handled all of the 
business side of the the ordering and the receiving and there was a lot of late night phone calls to china at two in the morning trying to find a vendor to make a certain lamp and all that hard work you know paid off and uh but yeah it's um it's a it's a it's a hard, it's a fine line between designing a room and designing a singular piece of furniture because that individual piece of furniture should represent your overall design style but it also should be able to sell to the to the mass market and that's the that's the hard part that i was having difficulty with was was sort of when people were saying oh you should do this and you should do that i i was like no i don't want to do that because i still wanted to design what i feel is important to me not what i think that the mat needs to be mass mass produced out into the world and so now you find yourself you so you started this in 2016 this aspect of the business so you're you're three years into it mm -hmm. it's your third year into it um i'm sure you've learned a lot and as a matter of fact the business continues to change yes so back to the tears i mentioned earlier <laughs> more uh, more more tears more tears i'll okay. be back in a minute i'm gonna go to the closet and cry no it's it's been an exhilaratingly wonderful experience to be able to to take that step and to the, your question before the reason i jumped into it is because i'm always a risk taker and i always want to jump in head first and take calculated risks for things. So that's how the entire thing came about. And if I feel passionate about something enough and I know deep down that it it's it's a passion project for me, then I can I can make it work. But the evolution of all that is that it's a lot of work and all that work again requires a really big team and a lot of effort and ongoing changes and ongoing um, revisions and, and staying on the pulse of what the world is buying and what uh, people are looking for at these markets at high point and what they're looking for in clients homes and so all that being said I've learned that I don't want to necessarily mass produce I don't want to make a hundred uh, credenzas and have them sit in my warehouse and then send them out I've decided to really change my methodology methodology behind that and actually do one of so if it's a credenza and they want it in purple i can actually make that credenza for them in purple and i'm not going to stock 100 of those necessarily i'm going to i'm going to have that made one at a time uh, individually for them and it's more of a a custom piece the, the lead time is longer but in the at the end of the day i can also have control over the product whether it's being made exactly the way i want it to be i don't have to fly to vietnam to do inspections i don't have to worry about a container arriving and having dings and damages and all those things that come along with the frustrations of doing that company so the flip side of that is you have a lot more on the labor side, uh, on on customizing on the front end, mm -hmm. and then you have a longer window on the back end yes. because you're you make, doing a one-off takes longer, it, especially if you don't if you could just deliver it from your from your warehouse, yeah. it's much easier. Yeah. Um, so doing the one-off, so now you have to sort of count on the the patience of your clients, mm -hmm. and that's part two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 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 managing those expectations and letting them know that no, this is not available to ship tomorrow. You're going to get this exactly the way you want. Do you want to change the size of it and then make it four inches wider? Absolutely, we can do that. But the result of that and the flip side of that is that it's going to take a bit longer. Uh, it's going to maybe cost a little bit more than having these mass produced, but you're going to get exactly what you need in the end. So I, I think, and really, let's, let's talk about like bigger companies like a restoration hardware or some of the larger companies out there now some of their lead times are 12 weeks for certain products and i think it's just where 
the industry is these days and to know, I mean, yes, if a client comes to me for their home and needs something designed and this says, I need this done in, you know, 60 days, I can go to these ready to ship companies and pull things ready to ship, but you're not getting a couture, uh, high end, one of a kind piece. You're getting a mass produced piece. And so I think that by me elevating it, it actually fulfills a lot of the reasons that I did it in the beginning, which was to make these really unique items for people. And I think it's, it's also really interesting we were talking before and you were saying that you're not designing for a generation Mm -hmm. at the same time we've been talking a lot about millennials Mm -hmm. for the last few years and i find it really interesting one of the positive things that i think millennials have have sort of stamped onto the way the business is done right now is they want that special piece Mm -hmm. they want one special piece and then they're willing to surround the rest of what they have with other perhaps lesser maybe not but perhaps lesser pieces if if they can have that one thing that they can look at and say that makes me happy mm-hmm. so now what you're talking about is that philosophy making it part of your brand and part of your design is right. making that one thing maybe it's more but making it you know that one thing special and that one thing bespoke and boutique and an heirloom piece Absolutely. that they can they can grow with and make them happy and that sort of that sort of fits an idea that was really pushed home by millennials mm-hmm but seems to be taking hold. Would you agree? I agree. I, I, I say buy once and try once. You know, you spend the money the first time and then you have this forever and it's this piece that ends up going with you from house to house to house and, and all the other things that don't matter, you just let them go by the wayside. <laughs> buy once and cry. Have you, have you trademarked that for John McClain? I should, I should. You I know should. what? We're and I hand him a hanky as I do a <laughs> tissue. <laughs> We're considering this to be uh, used in commerce. Mm-hmm. So you can use this date as the use in commerce date for your your trademark application um that's hilarious (laughs) it's true because you you there's certain pieces in your house back to interior design and interior decorating that you need to invest in and yeah those are pieces that we if you if i design a custom sofa for you and i know that it's made with a certain type of wood and i know the joinery is done a certain way and i know that all the underlayments of that piece is, are great we can reupholster that a million times and you can take that with you wherever you go but it's still a quality piece of furniture so you invest in those pieces and all the other frivolous things that don't matter to you as much or maybe that you want to trade out or sell with your house like a chair or a little chair or a coffee table or an end table let those go by the wayside and then keep the stuff that's really important and timeless i think it's in it's great too that you're 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 instilling auto, you know from the very beginning that that sense of that that provenance Mm-hmm. You know, here's where it came from. We designed it. Yeah, we had a stake in it. Yeah, you know, it was it was John, it's a John McLean design original because it was made for us. Absolutely, and and even with our clients now, when we're designing their home, and it's not a piece from my my own furniture line or a piece that I've have like I have um, designed before. If it's a totally custom piece for that client. I probably actually do about 80% of homes of the pieces we put into homes are custom pieces, whether it be a case goods piece or a sofa or a chair. Uh, I saw a light fixture in Paris once and it was a little miniature miniature light fixture and I just fell in love with it and we recreated that in more of a farmhouse feel believe it or not for a client and it ended up coming going from you know two feet to 12 feet and we did two of them in their uh, entryway and so a lot of these things that people think aren't available it's just because you haven't delved into it and figured out a way to do it because I've, I always feel that there's a way to do everything no matter what the challenge is. You mentioned Paris. I want to ask you about um, traveling 
and going to you know global locations to to visit how design is done there mm-hmm. and your thoughts about bringing it back here do you travel where do you go what events do you go to and and what do they do for you as a designer um i get most of my inspiration from traveling honestly and just from subconsciously absorbing these things and i don't go to a specific area for a specific event necessarily i love the the paris flea markets of course i mean they're just full of all kinds of inspirations but i also are am just enamored by the little things like i can be walking down the street in in a city and see a beautiful door and i notice the the detailing on the wood detailing on the door and I can maybe turn that into a a, a ceiling design for a a client's den so I think that there's all kinds of ways to find to find inspiration and it's not always as visible as you think it would be you know it could be a tree it could be any of those things so it's not necessarily in Paris going to Maison or or Saloni in in Milan it's not necessarily going to the shows per se it's it's the it's the the act of of being in transit and traveling for me it is because i how do i say this since i had my own furniture line and i have my own i design my own pieces and i do my own lighting and i design custom pieces for client i'm more of the originator in my head so i'm not really looking for something that's already been done necessarily i'm looking for something that's a new take, uh, a new innovation a new way of doing something that hasn't been done before so i tried to approach it pre you know, a lot of times I'm designing pieces that are going to go to market and I'm designing pieces that are going to be in these shows. So it's actually up to me to really go down one step further and find where that inspiration comes from and how I see the next um, iteration of a, of a sofa or a chair. Um, wanted to talk to you about some of your projects. Uh, the Aurora Award winner, the River House, River House, mm-hmm. River Home. Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, that was a labor of love, that project. It was... Um, Where is it? It's in Florida. Okay. It's in Florida on a beautiful, beautiful river. There's a riverboat that comes by. On the, As we were working on the property, there was a riverboat that comes by and people waving. It's just... Like actual riverboat. It's, it's, it's so quintessential, exactly paddle, what you... Paddle wheel riverboat. Absolutely, yeah. They're having dinner and everything, <laughs> and you're just like, what is this? This really exists. So it's really old, old Florida, and it was just fun to do. But this client, he... We were going to actually renovate the house that was there, and then because of a lot of different reasons with the codes and so forth, he ended up just demolishing the old house, and we built a brand new house from scratch. So I worked with the builder on that house directly, chose every fixture, every flooring, every specification of everything. We had our hand in on that house, and the the, the client had a, a, a very good budget, and he was very open to trusting me and my team to really get into his head and figure out what he needed based on what he would show us or what he would tell us. And he would allow us to do a lot of things that other people, you know, probably wouldn't have allowed us to do and, and, and elevate finishes and elevate fixtures to a certain level. And so I just had a, a, a ball and the, and the end result is this sort of relaxed yet elegant and refined home. And I swear to goodness, I just spoke with him um, last week and he says that he does not ever want to leave his house. He loves it so much. He says that he even moved uh, all of his meetings to his house versus having going to his, he, has, he owns restaurants and a couple of other businesses. Instead of him going to his employees, they come to him because he doesn't want to leave his house. So what, what better testimonial than that, right? That, that really is quite an endorsement, yeah. right? It was such, so nice, so nice. Um, the rock star pad. Yeah. Okay, so listen, that looked like so much fun oh my gosh for you to design just between memorabilia and how you want to how you want to design tell me how this how this place came to came to be 
Well, first of all, it was designed uh, structurally by a very talented uh, architect, Martin Nasralla, in Florida, and he's just supremely talented. And, and so the bones of this place, I, I would have not, I, I didn't want to change one thing. It was just perfection in every, every aspect of every angle and how he really, he also got into the client's head as well. But yeah, this client, he's, uh, he's a former drummer and he's, uh, or he is a drummer, but he's played for some bands in the past and he's just has all these great memorabilia and he has a big affection for Billy Duffy. And so one of our big coups in that project was, uh, in, we call it the fun room. So it's off the pool. And he was like, I just want this room to be relaxed and, and, and sexy and sophisticated and, 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 uh, edgy. And so we, contacted he found one picture of billy duffy online that he wanted and it was not for sale it was not available anywhere like it was just something that someone had taken like a photographer had taken so long story short we routed our way back and got permission and paid for the rights to get that piece reproduced in a larger format so now he has this photo of his idol huge size on the wall and he can look at it every day and then the other cool thing we did in that room was i designed a, a custom set of wings so they're metal angel wings and <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you bring that up because that's yeah. that's on my that's on my my mind of things to ask you about specifically with okay. this house because it is such a statement piece and so you designed that yes it's such a statement piece um, on on a on a very visible well this was meant to make a statement totally intentional every bit of that was intentional I walked into that space and after having a little bit of a programming session with a client and kind of understanding his mindset and what he wanted and what he liked and really what he wanted to accomplish with the space. That's the first thing that I knew that I wanted in that entire room. This was during the initial consultation that I knew that I wanted this. I didn't relay the information to him until the next meeting, but I was like, I want, based on what he's talked about, I want a really huge pair of wings on that wall. And, uh, and I had them, and, and again, every single wing was made uh, by hand. Every single, every single feather was attached to every single piece of metal. And it was just this entire, it probably took about 12 weeks again to make this for him. But the cool part was he walks into the space and he hadn't seen it yet. And he, he cried. Like this client who's this, you know, super nice guy, but also, you know, he's this tough guy and he doesn't really show emotions that much he started crying and I was and I was there with my assistant and I was like we, we were both like flabbergasted that we were getting this reaction from him because we knew that we loved it but that's always the payoff on the client I don't care how much money you make that's the payoff for me as cheesy as it sounds I love that I love that buy once cry once yeah <laughs> good point <laughs> um and that was before he got the bill so <laughs> buy once cry twice that is a that is a special moment yeah. though do you do you relish in the reveal? I do. And the hard part is you can't really keep clients away necessarily until the, the big reveal. But what we've been doing is we've been sending them out for, um, you know, lunch or, or, or dinner or whatever. And we keep them out and we say, listen, we want we know you've seen aspects of the home, but I want you to really see everything after we've placed it. And really, the, when the true finished result comes is like the day of the photo shoot when we're coming in and we're photographing the home and we're putting out the flowers and we're setting the tables and we're doing all these things that like they would do for a, a party or they would do for an event in their house. And then I let them come back at the end of that day. And then the whole house is just flourishing with beauty and fauna and it's just gorgeous. And they're, they're in love with it at that point. I do love that. I'm surprised that that's not actually a bigger thing is, is a, is a theatrical reveal in design. I've seen some designers who do it. I've seen some designers who do it sometimes mm -hmm. only when there's a photo shoot. Yeah. And I've seen other designers who just sort of never do it yeah. because it's like, look, I, I did the job. The work is done. 
I don't need a theatrical. They've seen most of it. There's not. This isn't a TV show. There's no Chip and Joanna pulling the sign away. Right, you know right, where right. there is no major you know moment or reveal. But I always felt like design is so special. They already know what the architecture is. They already mm-hmm. know what the home looks like. But to actually do that theatrical reveal where you walk through and you explain yeah. everything about every room seems like just a, a, a touch that for creative types would just be so much fun to do. It is fun. And, and, and as designers and as creatives, we get emotionally involved in these projects and we, the client gets emotionally involved as well. And by the time we're done with the, with the project, it's sometimes it's, it's like, Oh yes, it's a party. Let's run away. We're happy. This is over. (laughs) And sometimes it's like, I don't want this to end. This has been such a great experience. So I, I really do. If the, if the client is, is receptive and, and open to doing that, I'm all about the reveal and all about letting them say, okay, you know, come on in. And, that particular client at the at the Rockstar Pad, he actually was able to do the reveal sort of with his parents who were in town visiting as well. And so this was, was like a double-edged, beautiful, beautiful moment there. And uh, it's, but he let me that guy he let me push the boundaries a lot. He let me do things that uh, a lot of people wouldn't do. And I knew I was going to like him because I walked into his house and he had a uh, a ten foot polar bear <laughs> statue, not a real one, just a, a faux one. But I was like. I like this guy. He's a little, because I always like to put a, a little piece of dissonance in every design that I do. Something that's a little off key, and then he, he really got it. And it was just, it was fun. It was so much fun. Those are the collaborative efforts that you can't replicate. Well, it's the greatest thing, too. If you can do, if you can, if you can walk in and see a 10-foot faux polar bear, you got to believe that you're on the precipice of something good. It's like, you know what? I, I'll be able to have some fun with this project. Yeah, sign here. I'm ready. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Um, one other project I wanted to ask you about yep. was your white and bright kitchen. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this. Yeah, that was actually one of the first kitchen renovations that I had done, fully kitchen renovations that I had done from scratch. And so we gutted this entire kitchen down to uh, there was brick floors and horrible, horrible finishes everywhere. And so we, um, yeah, we we gutted the entire space and we we chose to make updates. However. We left some things in place, for instance. So we left some, like some of the kitchen cabinets, the lower kitchen cabinets were left in place. And then we decided to update the upper kitchen cabinets. But the client had this very kind of dreary, dark space. And then we kind of updated it to fresh and modern and, you know, whites, which are, I have another white kitchen that I had done. And it's actually was the most saved kitchen on house one year. And I was like, wow, you know, because you just, you do it again because you love it and you feel the passion in it. But for people to react to it so much is a is a really cool thing. But that particular house, we actually did something really unique that I think we I designed a cabinetry that was open backed, so there is no you can the tile was so pretty I didn't want to hide it. So we did a custom upper cabinets, and you can actually see the tile through the glass in the cabinets, and I love that. It's beautiful. And by the way, we're gonna we're gonna put some of these projects pictures. Um, along with segments of the interview on our, on our YouTube channel. So folks can go back. Oh, if, you're, cool. if you're listening, uh, hop over to the YouTube channel and, uh, and check out some of these. Back to that particular project, mm-hmm. um, the wine display mm-hmm. and, and the use of bottles in your design and the use of wine in the design itself. Where did that come from? Were the homeowners into wine or, or were they just casual but, but wanted that influence? You know, this... Let me just say one thing. So on my website, I have the whole before and after section. And I do that because I want people to understand the evolution of a project and to know, like, yes, you might be living here, but you can go here. So that being said, that particular hallway, it was a hallway, actually. We, we removed some walls. Uh, the contractor removed some walls in the hallway. And we opened up the entire space. 
So that was just an empty hallway, a little niche that they had a, a console or something in. And she said, I really don't have a lot of room to entertain and I have nowhere to put, we love collecting wine on our travels and we just, we have no place to, to display that and properly, properly put that. And I have nowhere to put extra plates if I'm serving for a dinner party or something. So, mm. so we turned this useless hallway, we removed part of a closet and then opened up the hallway and we turned that into this design of a wine display for their favorite wines on top. And then they have their chilled wines below. They have a beautiful Caesar stone countertop that they can serve on. And it's just this great multifunctional use of space that, which is, which is what we're brought in to do is to figure out a solution to clients dilemmas. Right? Yeah. Who did you specify for that job? Uh, for that, for that kitchen? Who'd you specify? What are all the the, the cabinetry? The, everything. Um, Do you cab- remember? Cabinetry was custom. Okay. Yeah, cabinetry was custom. Caesar stone countertops. They had Sub Zero and Wolf on their appliances. Okay. Uh, and then light fixtures. There was a combination of uh, custom light fixtures, and then I think Global Views we used for one of the other fixtures. Okay. I, and I was asking. See, I pulled that right off the top of my head. Yeah, That's you pretty did. good, right? Well, and it's funny. <laughs> I was asking about the appliances because. Yeah. Um, the refrigeration, I could, I, I thought it was sub zero, yeah. but I wasn't sure. And the, and the wine storage with the glass front, just the way that it looks, the way that you put the whole thing together, it, it looked to me like a wine bar, like the wine was not an afterthought. No, it, it felt to me like everything was put together the, that way. It wasn't like, Hey, we've got some space. You know what? We can put some wine racks there and, and then horizontally hang the bottles. Mm. And it's like, you know what? We're going to do this. And then we're going to do glass front. So they, they worked off of each other. The whole the whole thing just worked seamlessly together. The wine was a feature, you know. The wine was a, the up, the upper part was a feature of the, the entire space, and then we put it behind glass doors to make it feel a little more special. Because these, we're not talking about a twenty dollar bottle of wine from Costco that they had in there, you know. Like this is really high end bottles of wine that they have on display. You know what though, John? Not that I don't love a twenty dollar bottle of wine from Costco, or but... a, or a two dollar bottle of <laughs> wine from, from Trader, Trader Joe's. Joe's. <laughs> So funny that you. Um, that basically, I'm an alcoholic, is what I'm trying to tell. No, but what I'm trying to say is basically, it could have been. Yeah. They didn't have to be expensive bottles of wine. Right. Because the way that you worked the look into the entire design as a as a whole, just it all worked together and it was seamless. I thought it was really Thank special. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's a combination of design and decorating. You know, a lot of designers have the. The mentality of like I don't want to be a decorator and I don't I only want to do I'm a designer and so I I don't care what you call me as long as the finished result gets what it needs to be for the client as long as a you call me and, yeah. b, and b and b you like it at the end that's that's all I need yeah I need, need validation and love that's really all I'm validation after. and love exactly <laughs> um, final question for you yeah. is what are you crushing on right now what are you seeing that mm. that you're that you're just that you're loving right now. You know, I, I think that there's this appreciation for the past now. I think that there's appreciation for certain time periods, like set the 70s are really, there's certain elements from the 70s that I'm seeing emerging into design, and even the 80s. And so what I'm loving is that we're not forgetting the past, and we're not forgetting these certain things that were popular back then. We're, we're sort of bringing them back now. And I never left them, frankly. Like, I don't, I don't do trends, and I don't do... Uh, you know, fly-by-night designs. I always try to think about what has legs and what has longevity and what will last. And so I think that for me, I've always had an appreciation for, you know, the the Dongias and the you know the, the, the Duquettes of the world because I think that there's things in there that you can pull from and make it relevant for today, which is really where design is today. It's this great mixture of, you know, all these different elements and all these different genres and all of these different styles, but 
they're juxtaposed together in this beautiful way that they're just married perfectly. And you look at the space and you're like, why, why does this work? I don't understand because this is a mid-century modern piece. And here's an Art Deco chair and, you know, here's a whatever traditional uh, sofa. Like, how does this work? But because you find those underlying elements to make those pieces work together, then they're all interrelated and they all can communicate to each other. Designer friend of mine, uh, Patrick Dragonette, whenever I say the word eclectic mm -hmm. he always corrects me and substances no 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 it's collected uh-huh yes and it is collected and yes. that's the difference and that's something that i see you imply in your uh, employ in your philosophy which is really special thank you no thank you john mclean this was fantastic thank you for the time i really appreciate I've it. i've had a blast josh thanks hey. so much for the conversation <laughs> Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Design culture, it's the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted, modern, durable, molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique and they beg to be enjoyed. They search the planet for the right designers that embody the Vendome spirit and work together to create remarkable pieces into an exclusively Vendome mode of expression. And if you haven't seen Vendome before, you can check them out in uh, some of the Convo by Design videos you'll find on our YouTube channel. But you can find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in L.A. or online at Vondom.com.